0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Morning, 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 morning. Chris. Good morning. How are you? Uh, Good morning. A little bit. uh, I'm a little bit ambivalent on that one today. It's a little tiny bit cooler than I prefer the last or the third weekend of June to be. Um, And the Stanley Cup finals have turned boring. Boring. What say you? How are they boring? Literally the second, the last four periods of hockey have not been competitive.
1: I would have to agree. Uh, Colorado has made boring. it. Colorado has made it. Uh, <clears throat> look too easy.
0: I don't or, think it's solely Colorado. Or has um,
1: Tampa Bay just decided not to show up? I think my favorite part of the whole. I not
0: think either.
1: I think my favorite part of the whole first two games was the deer in the headlights look of John Cooper. Because um, it was clear that he had no idea how to fix the problems on. The, I don't I don't know how he is between games. He may be great at scheming up a game plan. Before a game. The man has no capability for in game adjustments.
0: I'm ne- he's not ever featured in my top 10 uh coaches list,
1: <laughs> no, mine either.
0: <laughs> uh, but I think we should dive into some of our other topics before we start uh flailing away at games one and two because just talking about John Cooper could probably be 10 minutes of show. All right, hey, let's. Um, So we've got some interesting stats from the – or heading into the series.
1: But if you're not going to talk about the series, then why talk about the stats?
0: Because there's a bunch of other topics too. Okay. And some of the stats that you had heading into the series made it look like it was probably going to be a reasonable series to watch and not through two games an embarrassment for the league. In Tampa Bay's defense, they have not played at home yet. It
1: could become an interesting series.
0: uh, The Bruins parted way with Cassidy, much to probably several years too late. Um, I'm very firmly of the opinion that there's a reason, that there are multiple reasons he spent over a decade in the AHL between NHL jobs. Um, But it only took him two days to find an NHL job this time.
1: Yeah. And by the way, the team that fired him is still, oh wait, coachless. I mean, in my, I don't know, maybe to me, it, it's kind of like quitting a job. And I know that maybe it's, it's an old belief, but usually you want to have something before you leave the, job that you have maybe you want to have a coach sort of on the line I'm not saying they have to be hired but at least something in the in in the system before you fire the one you have well that's Uh, since he's been fired he's been rehired one of the other possible candidates
0: has been hired and the
1: Bruins are still
0: flailing well that's part of the disconnect in the front office I'm very firmly of the opinion that Sweeney wanted to keep Cassidy and also very firmly of the opinion that Neely said uh, he's going one way or the other. Your choice is whether you go before him or not.
1: And therein lies the maybe yeah, not not. That's why question. I
0: suspect they they started the search probably 10 minutes after they emptied the position. How how is it that either
1: one or both of those gentlemen have not been submitting resumes somewhere else? No, no I I,
0: look, I I have not been happy with the entire Sweeney tenure. Exactly. I mean, he made one really good pick um, with with uh, McAvoy. The rest, I don't see where people are giving him credit for anything useful because he's – his draft picks haven't produced. He's lost more trades than he's won. Yes, but – Some of them disastrously. Yes, Uh, but nobody
1: sees that far back. All they see is we got Taylor Hall.
0: We yes, we got Taylor Hall, who has been a middle six player um, since he got here, and he's done very I love well. Since I love I, having him here, he's done very well. Uh, for whatever reason, basically, the player had to force his way out and be here. Yes, but you look at the players that he's drafted. <laughs> uh oh. Um, <laughs> running through the list, you can. You can make the case that he succeeded with Swayman. Succeeded with uh, McAvoy. Succeeded with DeBrusque, uh Brandon Carlo. Yes. Uh, and that's legitimately it for players still with the Boston Bruins. Or who have already taken the ice with the Boston Bruins. Jacob warbacher Carlson. Bergeron 2.0. Um,
1: what? Not so much.
0: Um, He was a little bit closer to uh, the Mad Fisherman 2.0 because he spent about as much time in the Bruins lineup.
1: Uh, was Baca um, Carlson. JFK.
0: Axel Anderson. Wasn't he traded like? <laughs> Axel Anderson.
1: Uh, we, we don't talk about him around here. Um, Axel Anderson was supposed to be a defenseman. Axel Anderson was traded, uh, very, very, in, 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 very, very conspicuously. I mean, it, it was like kept under the radar. He was, I think he was part of the backist deal or something like that. It, it was like they kind of slid him away.
0: <laughs> uh, Trent Frederick like him. But if you see him as a number one or number two center, no. uh, I want to know what you're using to uh, enhance your vision. Jacob Zaboral? Meh. Nah. Erho Vakonainen? Traded. One of the unhealthiest players I've seen in Bruins history in the last ten years.
1: Wait, who
0: did he... We tell
1: him for somebody this year.
0: I want to say he was, part of, he was the, part
1: of the Lindholm deal.
0: Lindholm deal, yeah. Um, John Beecher, yep he he went to college totally fine, but you know you look at the you look at the rankings. He's not. He's not well regarded around the league. He's gonna be a guy who, if he comes into the league and holds down a three C spot, that's probably his peak. Jeremy Lozon, gone. Daniel Blader, gone. Mason Loray, you know, people have hope, but maybe some of that hope is real, and maybe some of it, he just looks really good compared to the rest of the not very much the Bruins have. Quinn Olsen, I'm holding out hope. Um, but the rest of their system? Quinn Olsen? I think you've seen the rest of their system. Jabra Kunta. Can you legitimately say top six forward for him? At times, he looks like it. No, that the answer is no, then.
1: Yeah, I was trying to find a nice way of saying it. But yes, the answer would be no. Okay, and, and
0: then we and mentioned the Lozon.
1: trades. Jeremy Lozon got paid, by the way.
0: He got He got a reasonable raise, yeah. I don't think any of it's ridiculous.
1: No, I mean, not for him. Four-year, eight million dollar deal. I mean, two million bucks for Jeremy Lozon a year. That's not bad. That I think that's a good deal for the team, and I think that it's a it's an increase for him. Uh, and they can all you know, you can always go back and and it, it's not. I think a huge,
0: it's a solid deal for yeah. the first two years for the team, and based and on he, his progression, I think three and four. Will be markedly in team favor. Um, you look at some of the other trades. Uh, Michael Callahan, who they saw, who they who they blew a, a seventh round pick on. Yes, a seventh round pick is not that much, but given the dearth of talent in the system, sending those rights away for a guy who didn't want to sign in the NHL or at the time. They they had Bladar ready to go. Um... I... I just don't get it. I don't... You go back to last year, um... Anders Bjork was traded out of town, and yeah, suddenly, the, a better player.
1: Part of the Taylor Hall... Part of the Taylor Hall deal, yeah.
0: But he was a better player once he left. Um... They signed. They traded for Ty Gallagher. I I don't remember even hearing his name. They moved out. They they grabbed Nick Ritchie for Danton Heinen. That was spectacular. Uh, Andre Kostitsin wasn't it, he
1: leading the league in scoring for like, <laughs> or or leading at least leading the Penguins in scoring for like the first month and a half of the season.
0: Yes, he was. Uh, Andre Kasha, did he even in two full seasons, he played or like, in a season and a half, he played all of
1: what, a dozen games, Maybe
0: nine games, nine, nine games for the Boston Bruins,
1: Toronto. He played like most of the season.
0: Yes. So nine games, over two seasons, a season and a half for Andre Kasha. Um, I'll give him a win on the Charlie Coyle deal. Okay. Paul Carey, Cody Golabev. I don't Goulabath. remember either of those players, so we'll call that one a wash. Okay. Um the Bruins picked up Steve Camper who actually played well when when they had him and would were willing to put him on the ice. Cade Weber and Jake Schmaltz. Uh, two more players i don't remember for for Adam McQuaid um
1: hey but they uh, signed Mark McLaughlin from Bill Ricca, so and he had like three goals
0: well that's in, really important in his
1: first four or five games so
0: he he did look good in the games that he played i i will admit that uh, he probably he probably has done better at free agent signings, college signings, and any other aspect of the job. Yeah. He was a, free, he was a college get, free agent. to get to the mountaintop. Um, the Rick Nash deal. <laughs> I want every time I look at it, literally every time I look at it because I knew it was going to happen. And I knew it was going to be a bad trade because there's no good trade for Rick Nash.
1: Well, you, you realize that out of that deal, they got Ryan Lindgren, uh, K Andre Miller, um, wasn't one of the draft picks we traded to them used for Andre? I think so.
0: I think that was a different deal with the Rangers. Oh, okay. um, But yes.
1: Uh, I. So the Rangers are feasting off of Don Sweeney's uh, incompetence?
0: <laughs> uh, the Bruins got Nick Holden for Rob O'Gara.
1: And unfortunately, I don't know what happened because we both thought that Rob was going to do something and not necessarily not be top pairing. But we thought that he was going to be in the NHL.
0: But here's the thing. Nick Holden was not very much use. He played all of 18 games uh, for Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, True, true. He played two playoff games and then eighteen regular season games, and that was it. Um, but they also yes. Uh, let's see. <laughs> but they also gave that. Uh, they also gave up the pick that turned into Joey Keane, who the Rangers then traded to uh, to Carolina. That was a third round pick. Um, He's played uh, only a couple of games, but the Bruins can't build a system because they're busy trading players. There was the Drew Stafford trade for admittedly not very much. But then again, Drew Stafford was not very much by that point in his career.
1: Um, But he was a vital piece that they needed at the time. (laughs) <laughs> Vital piece. <laughs> I'm sorry. I tried to
0: say it with a straight face. It didn't work. I tried <laughs> half a point per game. Uh, well under ha- a third of a point per game in the playoffs. Um, I tried to. Say and it a I don't face recall against. him being the speediest player in the league at that point. I, no, he wasn't. No. Uh, they gave up Zach Phillips for future considerations. They signed. Oh, they traded Lee Stepniak, giving up not one, but two picks for him, including a second rounder that turned into Mario Ferraro. Uh, Mario Ferraro, not a huge NHL impact at this point. Another Ranger? Nope. Uh, San Jose Shark. He's played 100 games. Oh, okay. Games, wow. Um, which is oh. more than they got out of Lee Stepniak? Lee Stempniak, yep.
1: How many times has Lee Stempniak played for the Bruins? Twice at least?
0: Yeah. Oh, and don't forget, they signed, they traded for John Michael Wiles.
1: Did we get him from Colorado or was he already gone at that
0: point? Oh, no, that was that was Carolina. We
1: got him from Carolina.
0: Yep. Okay. And he gave try- a bunch of picks for that. For John Michael Lyles. Why? I'm
1: still trying to figure that. Uh, th- there are many I'm still trying to figure out.
0: Now, the Carolina Hurricanes did just uh, – did absolutely nothing with those picks. Not what You're still talking a third and a fifth round pick. Um, the third round pick, you still have a decent shot of turning into someone. And you had the set to retire at the time, Anthony Camara, who had several too many concussions uh, in his. The
1: the first one being the first one taking place uh, at development camp when he
0: embedded himself in the uh, in the glass. What's his name? Uh,
1: When he patchereted himself.
0: Uh, that was, unfortunately he'd had a couple of concussions in junior too, but he, so he's won what, three out of 20 something trades in his tenure. That's, um, that's like,
1: that's so, not good. So ultimately what, what all of this means is that they terminated the wrong guy. Or they should have terminated both guys. Or they should have terminated all three guys and just started over. Bring in John Chayka. Let John hire a head coach. Let the head coach hire a new, uh, a new, assist, new assistant coaches, and start from zero.
0: You could legitimately succeed better on trades, only going with the trades off of like Lyle Specter's uh, or Lyle Richardson's uh, Specter's hockey discussion boards that will actually be cap compliant. Like you could legitimately do better pulling, pulling fans off of Specter's hockey trades, and then than what Sweeney has done. His his drafting has been equally poor. Realistically, with drafting rounds one through seven, you should be getting twenty twenty five percent of your players into the NHL and contributing. We're in no way. Anywhere
1: near that number. Well, he keeps trading away the, the, the picks and I don't know. I, you can't blame everything on the scouts or this or that. I, at some point, the GM has to take responsibility because ultimately it comes down to the general manager's decision to decide, who to take scouts can make recommendations. They go out, they look at players, they come back, they say, Hey, this guy looks like this. We could get him at this particular spot. Ultimately it's the GM who makes the call,
0: especially given the number of times the Bruins have gone way off the board uh, in their, in their drafting. Yes, they're they're seeing stuff that other teams aren't. Excellent, and they're not seeing stuff that other teams are. And when you take not just the teams, but you know, you take all the independent rankings. We use for the show. We use McKean's, We use FC Hockey. We've taken a look at ISS. We look. Uh, everyone looks at uh, Central Scouting's numbers. Uh there's. No making sense of some of the tri- of some of the draft picks that Don Sweeney has had.
1: But my issue is, we started out talking about Cassidy being terminated, and they haven't replaced him. No, uh, and that's so it, that's part of all, the issue. All of this history of what Sweeney can't do hasn't done uh, has somehow messed up explains the fact that he got rid of Cassidy without having any kind of backup plan. And yes. now John Tortorella is gone. He signed with Philly four year deal.
0: That's part of the if- iffy judgment of Sweeney's
1: um, Cassidy, who was fired two days later, was hired in Vegas. Like, I mean, snapped up. Even Cassidy said he believed he didn't, he wasn't going to be unemployed for long. And two days later, boom, he's coach. Oh. He's coaching team. That's, you know, second or third best in the West. Again, West is squishy. I get it, but still.
0: Okay, I said it at the time. I still, I still maintain it, even though he showed in several ways better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Hiring Cassidy was a wrong decision. You do not spend over a decade outside the NHL. After you played for a major te- major market team, without there being a, an issue. Oh, he we was he was, head
1: co- he was head coach of the Washington Capitals for a short period of time.
0: Yes, and then it was thirteen years between that and him and him getting the Boston head coaching job. Thirteen years. Well, you know he he was busy.
1: <laughs> he had other other he had other irons in the fire. He was head coach down in Providence. He was doing other things. He doesn't have time to be head coach somewhere.
0: I understand that being the head coach in Providence was probably more prestigious than several of the NHL teams for at least two or three uh, years uh, in that time. Come on. Seriously. Does anyone other than Sweeney and apparently Vegas... I don't understand, I legitimately don't understand how people can not see the two things that worry me most. Because right now, other
1: franchises, other organizations are seeing, made playoffs every year as head coach. Went to the Stanley Cup final in 2019, came one game shy of, of winning Stanley Cup.
0: And I will coach, say, let coach, me counter this. Head let coach, me
1: counter and, that last one because wait, that's wait. the key one. I know, but head coach in a top original six team, top three market, and was able to, for the most part, handle the press and the outside noise. So they're going. He's going to get looks. Unfortunately, I, I don't I, understand the thirteen-year gap either. People clearly didn't want to hire him.
0: And I still don't understand why. But going back to that last one, yes, second to last one. Take anyone, take any of the teams that won on three years, um, within three or four years, either side of the St. Louis Blues win. Any team, you have your time machine big enough to shove all of those, any of those two teams into. Into a time machine, bring them to the same rink, and have them play out a seven game series. Do you genuinely believe that that St. Louis Blues team beats any other any other cup winner i was no I wasn't, no, I wasn't impressed no,
1: I was not impressed with Bennington and Net. I was not impressed with the way they were hand they ramped up their physicality while the Bruins were actually getting less physical. Is that even possible? I mean,
0: the Bruins had their physicality removed from the ice by their head coach, Bruce Cassidy, repeatedly. They took Frederick out of the game. They took Bacchus out of the game. They took Clifton out of the game. Uh, they dropped Chara's minutes. Um, he did everything he could to put targets on Bergeron, on Marchand, on Krejci, uh, mm-hmm. on the skilled guys for the Boston Bruins. Yeah. And for guys like Marchand, who will play physical, to get distracted. And Marchand can be physical. It's just I oh, don't yeah, want he him. he can. I don't he want gets him distracted. To Yes, and I don't want him doing it. I'd rather his skill come out. But I don't must. In in a, to a lesser extent, same with Tori Krug. I mean, that shift where he gets his helmet taken off, gets blown up and then goes back down the ice, blows up at Rob Thomas, full speed and just eliminates Rob Thomas was gorgeous hockey. Yes. But
1: I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But it's possible that Krug could have made a better play there. And it wasn't just that hit that annoyed Tory Krug. It was the whole series leading up to that moment. Because Cassidy made the wrong moves. And you you'll never convince me that having another head coach who was good at in game adjustments in that spot wouldn't have produced a Bruins win. I'm not, and you don't even have to talk about you know a top ten or fifteen or top five coach. Like it, I'm not going to say it had to be Julian. I'm not going to say it had to be um, Mike Sullivan or Someone like that. I think even Paul Maurice would have won that series. And I think he's an aggressively average coach. He will make in-game adjustments, though.
1: Well, yes. It's good to know that he can. Excuse me. Um, Uh, I mean, I think if Claude Julien still had coaching that team, I think... I think they win that's that cup instead of lose it
0: oh i I don't think that's even a question uh the the team would have won they would have played better even better defensively yeah um the other question that I still have I had it two weeks into season one having seen multiple preseason games having having seen every regular season game at that point. I had it three years later and I still have it today. What's Cassidy's system? Look at the on ice product and tell me what the system is.
1: Um, this one might take a while. Uh, it
0: could take forever.
1: I'm pretty sure that when he was hired, I I wanted to know what his system was because Obviously, Chloe Julian before him had a system and a system that worked.
0: Yes. I think that Julian probably – I think there were were some issues there. I don't know that they were as serious as certain members of the local media made them out to be. Well, the the, the thing with him was – Stop. Certain members of the local media just yes. didn't like Julian, period, and decided that everything he did was awful in the first place? Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just
1: – the issue with him was – I don't think the press managed to get him fired uh, just as much as I don't think that Spooner or Vitron – all the youngsters that had a problem with him and he didn't like playing youngsters, uh, head coach in Montreal played Kotkin Yemi played other youngsters while he was there. He played I, youngsters I think, while here. I think your issue is that he wasn't recognizing the players that Sweeney wanted him to recognize and play. I think that was the issue. Had nothing to do with whether he was playing youngsters or not. It was that he wasn't playing the youngsters that Sweeney wanted him to play.
0: You're probably onto something there. And he also wasn't Sweeney's pick.
1: This is very true. He he was in place when Sweeney took the job.
0: Um, but the whole cast, of, the whole Julian reputation for not playing young players. Let's see, Milan Lucic came into the league under under <laughs> Julian. Uh Brad Marchand came into the league under Julian. Uh, um Tori Krug. Tori Krug came into the league undrafted under Julian. Uh Matt Grizzlick, I believe, played his first few games under Julian. Um Adam McQuaid, Julian. Uh there's 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 a decent number of oh. young players who got their start and made their career made their names under Julian. It's completely bonkers, utterly ridiculous, and a false narrative to say otherwise. He wanted I, guys who would actually show up, pay attention, and pull their weight. And the difference there is, the, and the difference
1: there is, I think Frank Petrano learned that, and I don't think that Spooner ever did.
0: No, um, even even Phil Kessel— apologized to people when he came back to Boston a couple of years later to play a game. Um, And I don't think that the other guy in Dallas ever learned it either, but that's just my hunch.
1: No, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't think so. Vitrano I think gets it Uh, when he was here. I, he was all offense. Didn't couldn't find a shot. He didn't like He's still that way. He's but he seems to play a more rounded game now. If you watch the Rangers when they traded for him, if you watch him when he was in Florida, he plays a more rounded game.
0: He doesn't he doesn't just, he doesn't make as risky plays with the puck.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: I mean he still doesn't pass enough. I think he'd be even more effective offensively if he learned how to do that not shooting thing. But um he, I mean he's got good wheels you can't argue with the quality of his shot um, you can argue with his shot selection because the answer seems to always be yes uh, <laughs> but overall uh, I think that there is a I think that, that disconnect between Cassidy and or between Julian and Sweeney was a bigger factor than most people want to give it and if you ask me Julian was right because none of those young players who really dis who were really unhappy under Julian did markedly better under Cassidy or even uh, I mean even Vitrano yeah he went to Florida and did really well offensively but it took at least two years before he started playing anything that vaguely resembled defense. Yes, but he wasn't, then, he wasn't mature enough at the, at the time that he was here. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, do you have an idea as to who you want to see the Bruins hire as a head coach? Do you want to see a, yeah, well, known, i note I, I unknown? List?
0: I think I gave my list a while ago. Okay. I I would honestly, if they're going to, if we're, for anything like two to four year period, two to five year period, whether they're going to rebuild or they're going to try and retool on the fly, I wouldn't Um, mind seeing Marco Sturm as the head coach.
1: Rebuild, Um, retool, oh.
0: That said, I, I suspect you know, some of the current rumors are include.
1: Well, there's David Quinn. There's David uh, Quinn. apparently, apparently Jay David Leach, Quinn which is, I think the, is wrong. Apparently David Quinn is the leader in the clubhouse. Jay Leach, which I don't think is a good idea. Um, I don't know if they're going to promote the current head coach in Providence. Uh, I mean, there's a precedent there because, Oh wait, that's what Sweeney did with Cassidy. Um, is it possible that Cassie was fired because of winning too much?
0: <laughs> um i I would <laughs> hope that that is not the case because I don't know that you a guy who I think is on the outside and may not and probably hasn't even been interviewed yet. But I would be really interested in seeing what happened. Greg mm-hmm. Carvel, the uh, UMass Amherst uh, head coach, is I
1: don't even. Recall his name coming up. Supposedly there's there's like five names or something like that. I don't know. I, I don't know if I buy any of it. I don't know it, it, whatever Sweeney does. I'm gonna look at it with a grain with questioning eyes and a grain of salt and whatever other. I'll have uh, a wheelbarrow. Colloquialism or metaphor, yeah, it, that you want to use. It's it's not that I wanted. I did. I want John Totorella? I thought it would be interesting to see what John could do with this team. Is he the right fit? I'm not so sure about that one.
0: I think he would be a better fit than Cassidy for the medium term. But because back to the article that you're referencing, uh, which asked the question, was Cassidy winning too much? Uh, Yes. Well, you got to look at the I don't think so. Why? Because I can't think of any reasonable combination of trades and bad coaches. Even if you brought back Steve Casper with Uncle Dave uh, as the, as co head coaches and gave them zero assistance, that would actually put the Bruins into the lottery. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, that's I was going to say. You have to look at you have to look at the source of the information. This is coming from a, a a paper known as the Toronto Sun, uh, Michael Tracos. Michael Treykos, uh, outside of the fact that he left out the word "coach" in the first paragraph, um, interesting interesting concept here, saying that Boston that basically they fired Cassidy uh, because they need to tank so that they can try and get Connor Bedard in twenty twenty three
0: it it is an interesting it's an interesting idea, but i don't i still like you look at the Bruins roster without trading at least four key players i I can't see a way for this team to be a lottery team and by a lot and I mean a high lottery team like bottom five finishers in the league. Like, even if you trade Osternak, who's got a no movement, no trade clause, Marshand, who's got a no trade clause, and two of McAvoy Lindholm, Carlo Grizzlick,, mm-hmm. and then probably one more of coyle. Debrusque and one of the goaltenders for only po- for only picks. No roster players just for picks. I still think that this team is better than Phoenix. Yeah. Better than Vancouver. But, yeah. Better. Uh, I, I mean, probably better than Anaheim. Uh, depending on what Philly, how well Philly responds. I mean, they're probably, I don't know if they're better than Buffalo, but Well if Chicago gets their way and makes the trades that they want to this off season, they're going to be better than Chicago too.
1: No, I think the, I think the, the true uh, message of this article was buried in The middle where the paragraph says, that's good news for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who won't have to imagine another scenario of facing their rivals in the first round. But it's even better news for non-playoff teams such as Buffalo, Detroit, Montreal, or Ottawa, who now have a better chance of qualifying for the postseason next year with Boston potentially out of the mix. Now he does qualify the statement because... This team in 2017-18, when Bergeron, Marchand, and Krejci missed a combined 50 games, they still qualified for the playoffs. Yeah. So, I think, I don't know, it, it, it's just odd that it took somebody in a town where they haven't been able to beat Boston or get out of the first round.
0: I I still, I I can't see any combination of real Moves and coaching that will put this team in the top in the bottom five of the league. I, I don't know.
1: I don't know. I I don't know how. I don't put a whole lot of stock in this theory. It, it's an entertaining theory. I don't put a whole lot of stock in it. I don't think he was fired because he's winning too much. But no. Uh,
0: it, yeah, I, I genuinely I, believe I, he was fired for not being able to make adjustments and for having. I think that – okay, this is the – this is a key difference that not many people are going to – may get the first time around. I think that Cassidy is a good coach. I don't think he's a good player developer. I don't think he's good at sitting down with a player and explaining why X – and why doing a, a, B, and C is better than only doing A or only doing D or only doing R and how that translates to a better game for the player, for the other players on the ice, and for the team itself. Because he, you listen to any of his interviews and he's always saying the same thing. Well, we just need to refocus on No. No. (laughs) Stop with the refocusing. Stop with the refocusing. I I mean, sure, I'm sure he probably talks slightly differently to the media than to the players, how big that gap is. But you look at the way Tortorella, who both of us really, really like, Mm -hmm. um, when he gets – when he's willing to explain something, explains it to the media, and – he practically pulls out the whiteboard at the podium and says, and starts drawing and talking at the same time. You understand what it is he wants you to do. Same with like Mike Sullivan uh, and a couple of other guys who have, you know, actually won cups. Um, Ouch. They, they make it easy for anyone who's interested in learning to under, to understand it. That doesn't mean everyone has the physical gifts to do it or even the mental pace to do it, but they can at least understand what they wanted to do, want. You know, you look at Claude Julian, Greg Campbell and Danny Paye they weren't that good of players. when they They weren't the players three years after they landed here that they were when they arrived. They were clearly better players because of Julian. Brad Marchand, clearly a better player because of the Julian coaching tree than when they got than when he got here. He had zero goals in twenty games in his first attempt at the pro at the at, at the NHL. Now he's a multi time all star. Despite the fact that the league has <clears throat> rudely used him and excluded him from the All Star game because they don't like him.
1: He also is never nominated for key awards.
0: Uh he's been a finalist or he's been near the top or voted on awards, but um I mean he's gotten serious voted He's even gotten serious votes for the Selkie. Um, But, you know, there's that enormous shadow that he's playing in.
1: Yeah, it's kind of hard to get out of that one when they're going to rename the trophy after that guy.
0: Uh, As far as other coaches who might be available uh, for Boston... I, it, I don't know that there's anyone out there I'm hugely in love with. Um,
1: and to be honest, I don't think there's anyone out there that uh, I, I don't know that. I don't know how well Sweeney's thinking outside the box. So I don't think you're I don't think I, I don't Carvel. Or,
0: <sighs> I don't know that Sweeney does think outside the box. Uh, I don't see Donato making the jump. Um,
1: Donato, big fish in the little pond. Yeah, I don't see it happening.
0: I don't see I don't see him doing anything really interesting like pulling Patrick Rou back into the game um, <laughs> would he come to Boston? Uh, I mean seriously I don't see him going to bat to get uh, Joel Quenville reinstated uh, and pulling him in the front in the uh, in as head coach. I hope to everything including the sport itself that he doesn't go after Mike Babcock. Um In fact, if he goes outside of if he goes and gets Mike Babcock, I will begin picketing the Bruins on a daily basis immediately and my sign will absolutely say fire Sweeney.
1: Uh, I've got a name. Just one. Go man. for it. And he's close, too.
0: There you go. Norm Bazin. Norm Bazin. There's a name I've not heard in a mighty long time.
1: Men's ice hockey coach, University of Massachusetts Lowell. Norm Bazin. The uh, answer our, is
0: in The, yes. the Riverhawks, yep.
1: The answer is yes.
0: I don't. I don't have a problem there.
1: But he's going into his 11th season with the River Hawks. Career
0: coaching record:
1: five, five consecutive Hockey East championship appearances, uh, five NCAA tournament bids, uh, three Hockey East tournament championships, two Hockey East regular season titles, one Frozen Four. He has read the River Hockey
0: East coach of the year, New England coach of the year, 621
1: seasons in the nine years since taking over at the helm of the program in the fall of 2011. Team was ranked 12th in the country back in 2019-20 before the COVID pause. 215, 119, and 33 record, which is a six, just under 64% winning percentage. <clears throat> yeah. Now, uh,
0: I understand. I, I, I think I mentioned that a couple of years ago that I wouldn't mind seeing him. Um, before. Yes, you but I've,
1: I've was, always kept him on the back burner, so that's why I'm throwing his name out there. I knew you'd recognize it. <laughs>
0: uh, before before coming to Boston, he or to Lowell, rather, he was – uh, he was at he was actually an assistant at UMass Lowell from uh, 96, 97 to 99, 2000. Spent some time as an assistant coach out in Colorado College, head coach at Hamilton College. Um, and then uh, before coming back to Lowell, he's... I think he's got the chops that if he wanted to make the jump. Um, and I think he's got... He's got an interesting educational background too because his bachelor's degree is in criminal justice and he's got a master's in education administration for me people who have who double major and who have different focuses between their masters and bachelor's they just tend to be a little bit more mentally flexible uh, than average i I think I would like this I think I think like Boston fans would like this. Uh if he's willing to make that jump. I I don't have a problem here.
1: Do I expect it to happen? No. Yeah, no. This is this is more under the radar than than I think
0: that I don't know that Sweeney has, Sweeney
1: has no clue.
0: I don't know that Sweeney has the personality that would allow him to make that call in the same way that I think that the issues with, with Cassidy are things that he's not capable of learning to do different. Um, but let's dive into the rest of our stuff because we are well past the halfway point at this point. Uh, and now, um, Trade list of our buddy Frank Saravelli. Uh, top thirty trade pieces. Some of them are interesting. Your your wubby uh, JT Miller is at number four on the list. Um, Do you honestly not think that JT Miller could could work here? Seriously, I've never said that, but I actually am willing to name other people um, for uh, as my first choice overall. All right. Um, Tony D'Angelo, who is everybody's darling as long as they wear a Carolina jersey or t-shirt.
1: Well, uh, I don't think he's a fan favorite in in, in New York, but
0: okay. <laughs> things that surprise me about this list most. Hmm. Um. Number one is that there's. Where did go? Is that Jesper Bratt is on here? Twenty-three-year-old right wing for the New Jersey Devils, twenty-six goals, forty-seven assists, just under point per game for a truly ungood team last year. And there's two top ten picks that are rumored to be available. I mean, Alex DeBrinket. We know that he's been on the on everyone's trade radar for a while at this point, but the Devils are supposedly willing to move their number two pick and the, what is it, the number seven pick is supposedly in play a as well. Of, there seems to be a lot of Devils on this
1: list. Or maybe they just lumped them all together.
0: Um, now, for at pure adds to the Bruins... Yes, I will. I will take Jesper Bratt three times a day. Um, but Josh Anderson is someone I think that the Bruins could cheerfully add and make the team better and not smaller. Uh, okay.
1: Um, I am. Go ahead. I don't know, but my first thought on this list, and I and I said it to you pre-show, was uh, there's no Bruins on this list. Is there really no one on the Bruins organization that other teams would not want?
0: Okay, there's what they want, and there's Frank Saravelli's idea of what those teams of what players teams are willing to move. Hey, if Ethan Bear wants to move. I would actually be I actually think that John Marino is and what he's I talking about i was I was thrilled to see Marino's
1: name on this list because I've been talking about John Marino for at least the last year and a half if not longer um
0: the other the other part of the equation is when you look at any of the fan sites or the comment sections on any of the trade lists mm-hmm. I think at least partly because of that article we talked about last week or two weeks ago, Pasternak's name comes up a lot, a lot, a lot in fan speculation.
1: Well, Ah. there's 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 so much there's so much misinformation at this point in time. Originally, it was put out there that Pasternak wouldn't resign with the Bruins if Sweeney was still the GM of the team, because he's not happy with what he did with his best buddy, David Krejci. And then all of a sudden, two, three days later, a week later, whatever it was. Oh no, Pasternak doesn't have any issues with Sweeney. He's very happy with the organization. Well, we still haven't signed him to an extension. He's going into the last year of his contract. Seems to me That that is the M.O. of this general manager that he lets players go too long without negotiating and trying to get them resigned. Tory Krug. Yes. uh, Okay. Number one, you know, example, Exhibit A. uh, Thank you very much. It's I'm sorry. You're going to lose the talent. At least trade them away and get value for them. Don't trade them away for Rick Nash.
0: See, I I have the sneaking suspicion that with the Pasternak thing, he was probably very, very, very upset when Krug was let go, and then Krechie moved on, and probably expressed it. I have I would be willing to bet that this was expressed either just in a uh, <clears throat> bull session, or through his agent uh, or his agent was asked about, you know, what Pasternak feels and that probably could have been the sentiment at the time. Okay. Pasternak has probably cooled off since a little bit then. Uh, I mean, we know what happened uh, with his family over the, over the last year and that's going to change your perspective on everything. Um, but I, I think he probably went he, – he may well have gone from a very hard line if Sweeney is still here. I'm not to – I'll see what happens, um, which isn't to say that he will resign. But if nothing else, it's great – it's better negotiating to say, oh, yeah, I am i don't have a problem. Uh, I'm willing to resign. Um, we've seen other players do it where they're – oh, hell, heck, Bill Kessel did it. Oh, I, I never asked for a trade. I never asked for a trade. He probably said, I don't want to play here anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I'd rather yeah. play any other team in the league. So but he might playing... not have actually asked for a
1: trade. So it's a, it's a semantics game. Okay. Oh,
0: words have power. They do. And when I... you can legitimately say, I never asked for a trade, even though you've said four other things that mean the same thing. Or something similar. No. Um, Anthony Beauvier being on the list is somewhat interesting as he's moved around a little bit. I think Kaylor Yamamoto is a solid player, but if we're talking about ads to the Bruins, I don't want anyone else that small up front, particularly if Ber- since Bergeron, whether he comes back this year or not. Um... The Bruins need more size. I know it's not all by itself a winning recipe, but it helps. Okay. And Taylor Yamamoto is someone that Marshan can probably skate laps with sitting on his shoulders. Taylor, Le- Taylor
1: Yamamoto, I believe, was <clears throat> uh, was was generously listed at five six.
0: Oh no, they have him listed at five eight and one hundred and fifty three pounds.
1: Okay. A. Eat a freaking sandwich. B.
0: Eat a sandwich. Y- I mean, eat a whole side of, br- eat a whole brisket. I mean.
1: <laughs> yes, but start with a sandwich. I mean, it, it, you got to start somewhere. The, clearly, this young man is not eating nearly an, 153 pounds. Sergey Samsonov was calories. listed at 5'8". He weighed 185. It was all muscle. The, 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 he, was, he was huge, but not huge, if you know what I mean. 5'8",
0: uh, 153. Wow, no. Uh, he's I, I just, he's, a, he's I, a talented player. I mean, yes, but in he's the, justified being taken in the first round. He's not going to work
1: in the East or in the Atlantic where being physical is almost as expected as scoring goals. He is going to get hurt. between the hitting that goes on in the in in the Metro and the Atlanta in, in in just the East Eastern Conference you got Boston known to be Philly uh, the the Rangers
0: Carolina
1: is sort of kind of
0: Carolina more grinds you out against the walls and uh, than pure open ice hitting. But yeah, they're they're still a physical team. I worry that I just worry
1: that he's not going to and when I say he's going to get hurt, I don't mean seriously. I don't mean he's gonna be out for months at a time. I mean but he's he's going to be aching. He's going to feel every game. It it's eh. I don't see that level of physicality in Edmonton.
0: Um, another interesting player for me is Kasperi Kapanen.
1: Now Kasperi Kapanen up there in Toronto, traded him back to the team that drafted him in Pittsburgh.
0: He's had one 20-goal season in his career. That was I'm with like, Toronto.
1: I want to see more out of him.
0: Is this a guy who is perfect for a show-me contract? Like, look, we'll sign you for $2 million this year. You hit 25 goals. We'll throw we'll throw you four years at four and a half immediately
1: for a show me contract. I can do Kesberry, Kaepernick for a show me contract. I'm not I'm not signing. I'm not him signing to,
0: him for five million a year as is. No, no. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood is on here. Larson or Carson Susie is on here. Um, Tanner no. Pearson is somewhat of a surprise, although he, like many of the Canucks, had a down year. I'm a little bit surprised that we don't see more Canucks on this on this list.
1: See a lot of, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of New Jersey Devils. I think the New Jersey Devils have a lot of mm, positioning. I think that there could be a couple more Canucks. The question is again, like you said, who are they? Well, you know, what are teams willing to part with? What are what are other teams looking for or looking to pick up? Because the my person- most no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was no. going to say my one of my interesting names on here, and I'm thinking purely again from a Boston standpoint. And since everybody is so unhappy with him that they're trying to ride him on a rail out of town, but we're thinking the same player. Number five. No, actually, not number five. Number five is, for me, everybody's trying to ride uh, Linus Omar out of town. Well, there's a guy out there in Anaheim who, A, gets way overworked because they haven't had a backup for him since forever. But John Gibson, 28 years old, is he to the point where he's, he's 1. 1. 1.4 million average annual for five more seasons? The problem is, yes. Is he going to be a backup to Swayman? Everything you look at in Boston, or any goaltender, clearly Swayman is is targeted as your next number one. It's how long is he going to have to wait?
0: Um, I read the article wrong because John Gibson's six point four million a year, right? And and um, Olmark is five million a year.
1: So oh, he's 1.4 more than He's 1.4 4. more 8. than Omar, and I'm saying if Gibson's a trade piece, you know, it, it, this is trades.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't
1: Trade targets, yeah. I'm just thinking if you're that unhappy with Omar, well, John Gibson is a decent goaltender, the trouble is that what's in front of him has not done the job and I think that with a defense such as Boston's in front of him, I think we're going to see the real John Gibson. The problem is that, yes, he's a little more expensive. And the problem is that the backup behind him is is going to push him, which could be good for John, but bad for Jeremy Swayman.
0: See, I would actually move out Mark if I could get something reasonable for him and pick up Blackwood as and go with a 1A, 1B situation with two guys. Who, I
1: like Blackwood, but he has not been able to stay healthy. It, and his... His health issues bother me, and I yes. and I've been a big proponent of Mackenzie Blackwood.
0: You have you you've been very consistent uh, in liking him from the word go. Um, but I think that if you're if his expectation is only that he's going to have to get into thirty five games a season versus sixty games a season, he might manage to stay a little bit healthier. Because uh, I think that in a lot of cases, guys who know – I think that there are cases where guys who know that they're the last last guard at the door or last guard at the gate, mm-hmm. they overtrain. And I wonder – I kind of wonder if that might be the issue. The guy for me that I'm interested in on number, this list is uh, – Number 30? Uh, uh, oh, I've alre- I have already talked about Josh Anderson. I, I love Josh <laughs> Anderson. Always have. <laughs> But actually, the guy directly above him, Ethan Baer.
1: I, well, I mentioned him earlier in, the, in, in like 10, 15 minutes ago. Yeah. I've loved Ethan Bear from his time in Edmonton, and clearly he didn't fit in with a team that, you know, well, they like, don't play defense, so why are you going to have a guy like Ethan Baer?
0: <laughs> the article mentions that people are questioning his fitness and maturity. If it's – if the fitness is an issue, legitimately send him to live – send him to go train with Marchand the rest of the summer. uh, Train him now and get Marchand to train with him the rest of the year. He'll be in great shape. Um, Ethan Bear is
1: not a hugely offensive defenseman. So if you're bringing him in here and expecting –
0: doesn't have to be. He's a great skater, which I think it puts him well ahead of anyone not named Grizzly or Lindholm on the Bruins. Um, yes.
1: And I, I think he's I think he's he's strong. I think he's strong in his own end. Uh, what I've seen of him as far as exiting the defensive zone, you know, defensive zone exits seems to be pretty consistent. I don't think that he is. Hampus Lindholm ask, and there aren't many at all who are in the rarefied air of, 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 say, a Kael McCarr, but that's not what we're comparing him to. He's not a Kael McCarr. That's not his style. That's not how he plays. He's clearly more defensive-minded. But I like Ethan Bear. I like what I've seen of him for the past couple of years. I don't understand the fitness and maturity thing. I don't know why he was a healthy scratch for the Hurricanes playoff games. I don't know if they wanted to go with more experience I, I don't um, know what the issue is there They're claim, I, mean, I, I think what Saravalli is trying to say is that I mean if you read it the wrong way it could say that Carolina clearly didn't want him to play because they, they had questions about him well then why did you acquire him
0: Not sure on that one. A, a name not on the list is Dylan Strome. Uh, Elliot Friedman had tweeted uh, recently that um, the Blackhawks will try and qualify uh, will try and qualify him, but that he had been uh, that he had been that the Blackhawks had, Blackhawks had tried to move him a couple of times during the year. Uh, I, I think this is another one of those guys who's not ever landed in the right situation for him.
1: This is the summer of moving Strom's it, it didn't, didn't the Rangers or weren't the Rangers rumored to be trying to get move on Ryan too?
0: probably, <clears throat> I mean, Dylan Strom, uh, this year, 20, 22, assi- uh, 22 goals, 26 assists. 48 points for the not especially talented or not especially good Chicago Blackhawks, Blackhawks, (laughs) which put him fourth in scoring uh, for them. Uh, But is overall, I I mean, I think the Bruins could deal with either Strom as their as an option here. If they could get their hands on either one at a reasonable at a reasonable price. Both are centers. Ryan is the elder. Um he's uh twenty he'll be twenty nine next month. Uh Dylan is twenty four. Uh he'll okay. be I didn't realize there was that many years between them. Wow. Um and honestly, Ryan put up almost identical numbers for the Rangers. Uh, who were a better team this year 21, uh, 33, and 54 Uh, and that's with uh, Dylan playing four less games or yeah, four less games Dylan's a left shot Ryan's a right shot one of them's a right winger I believe no, they're well. They're both listed as centers by uh, HockeyDB. Oh. Um, so is that our solution? We we go out and get Bolstroms for the number and let them fight it out for one and two center. Uh no.
1: You sure? I no. I, the Stroms are interesting. It, it's funny because and, and and again, you you mentioned reading comments. You shouldn't, and I was told you should never read comments, but. The comments on this sound like people in Boston. Our team doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, When are they going to hire someone? What was my favorite one? Wondering when they are going to hire someone who knows what talent is. About Chicago. Because they're trading away this kid who apparently has been getting better year over year. Yes. When you have... when you're fourth on your team in scoring and you have 20 plus goals and 20 plus assists, why are you looking to get rid of him? How expensive could he possibly be? You're I, and so I understand their frustration living here in Boston and seeing what's going on here.
0: I, think I suspect you, I think... it's more of the same as far as the front office, that speculation about getting into the, uh getting into the bedard um misa race i chicago's a whole lot closer than boston is um particularly given how squishy the west is
1: and um that's yeah, not good so i don't know i don't think they're the answer to bring in is number one and number two i i don't know i i know that you know sarcasm is not your thing you know and, and don't know what it is that's what i figured yeah
0: Uh, Well, we have a few minutes left, and it is only a few. Okay. Game one. What did you see? What did you like? What did you hate?
1: Game one. What did I see? I saw a team that I saw a Tampa Bay team that. Recognized that they needed to do something. I'm not so sure that Darcy Kemper should be faulted for the first goal or necessarily the second goal because there should have been a defender stopping Palat from coming in on the backside and and not being touched. The third goal, eh. That was a
0: pretty effort by Palat, though.
1: Yes, oh no. Great pass from Kucherov. Palat was just there to just redirect it in. And to be quite honest, Landeskog almost did the same exact thing in Game 2 for Colorado, except that he just, didn't get the angle right, and the shot went wide. But Tampa Bay recognized that they were losing, and they looked like a team that wanted it. But in the second game, Tampa Bay didn't. So in game one, I, reckon, I, I
0: like Tampa's game effort. Game one was at least competitive.
1: Yes. And I like Tampa's effort. Uh, regard, and and I think they under I think they underestimated or believed that they were as fast as Colorado is
0: fast Colorado is <laughs> fast at every position and, and like all four lines in and all three d pairs in Colorado are at worst league average and I would i it's probably not going out of the way to say that if you're going to base, like, by minutes used or by minutes played. Yeah. That almost every Colorado player is 60th percentile or above in terms of speed um, in their, uh, for similar minutes. And while, yes, Tampa has several players who are really, really fast, a lot of their team is closer to average speed. And I don't know that anyone is overall faster than uh, than than Colorado is. I'm sorry, Darren Helm scored last
1: night on a semi-breakaway because they couldn't catch him. Darren Helm played in the in the Stanley Cup Final and won a
0: ring 14 years ago. For me. I started seeing in game two a thing that is never a good sign. Uh, I will summarize it with confident Mm. teams face the net. Yeah. Nervous teams, shaken teams, unconfident teams try to protect the puck. They try and manage risk. And Consequently, they end up facing the boards, facing center ice. They're not turned, they're not focused on getting the puck on net. And that's why Tampa Bay, especially in game two, did not get pucks on net and really didn't have any serious scoring efforts. There were one or two pucks that probably should have gone in. But there was never a time where you could look at game two and say, wow, this game should be so much closer, because in the final analysis, that game was an embarrassment to the league. Game two? Game two was an embarrassment to the league. First of all, all, in game
1: two, Colorado didn't allow Tampa Bay any sustained
0: pressure. Colorado's... But it wasn't just what Colorado was doing. Game two, the the Tampa Bay Lightning were not playing their game. Tampa Bay's game is slashing towards the net and getting shots on net at all times. Mm -hmm. They weren't even moving towards the net on a regular basis. I understand that you need to both have the puck and be allowed to get to the net, but they weren't moving towards the net. They were playing on the perimeter in there, whenever they got into the offensive zone. And that doesn't work. In the first 15
1: minutes of game two, they were down three goals to none. I don't think, and this goes back to my, my comments about John Cooper. He can't make adjustments. He can't sit there and, and in any way game plan. Okay, I understand they don't have timeouts like basketball, but it, 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 you can't game plan. It, you need something. You need to change something up. And I don't, he can't make that. They interviewed him. They looked at him. He had a deer in the headlights. Look, if this is your head coach, this is the guy who, you know, the camera's going to focus on him and he looks like he doesn't know what to do. And then you see the players on the ice and they look like they didn't know what to do. They were hit in the mouth and they never recovered.
0: And that's really unfortunate because skill wise, that Tampa Bay team is really really good
1: and i and as i said i don't think that we've seen all of Tampa Bay yet they haven't played at home they're going to get game 3 tomorrow night first game in tampa get their fans they're in their own beds if after tomorrow they still can't in some way sort out colorado it's going to be a quicker series than you or I thought it would be.
0: Uh, Yeah. Uh, Both of us picked six games. We picked in different directions. Um, And yours is sadly looking better than mine. I mean, I don't have a dog in the fight, but I. I don't have a dog in the fight. I am enjoying
1: that Colorado is winning only because I do like to see Talent rewarded and not just talent, but Jared Bednar has done a fabulous job coaching that team. Yes, it's kind of like Cooper coaching. You know, when you have that many all stars, you know, how difficult is head coaching? But it's more managing egos than anything else. Or so I'm told I've never done it. But you've got the the talent that's on Colorado's team. They should be winning a cup. They probably should have won it last year.
0: You have to play like you know how to win. I mean, you could say that the Florida Panthers, if you watch the regular season first round, should have won the cup this year. But you have to play like you mean it right now. Avalanche are playing like they mean it. Florida Mm -hmm. won their round and then they forgot what hockey was. One last question for me on this, and
1: I know that they won't use this because it'll be conceived, considered as an excuse, but. They've played a lot of hockey in the last three seasons.
0: And they played a lot of hockey. Are I mean, they tired? They ha- is that possible? I don't know how much of it is tired, but you can't convince me that they're more motivated to get their third cup in a row than they were to get their first cup uh, For that, for the core of that team. You just won't. Um, And they're also the most scrutinized team in the league over the last five or five years or longer, because quite frankly, when everyone was playing in the bubble, everyone, everyone had pretty much equal access to footage uh, from the NHL feeds um, of the games. You know, last year they win. They win back to back. We're seeing Vasilevsky get sniped. On a, like and even, these gloves are all going stick side high. I mean these these shots are all going stick side high. Um, he's getting well, like, sniped, and I I think that there may even be an injury there that people aren't talking about, whether it's shoulder or elbow or whatever, because he hasn't moved fluid as fluidly as we're used to seeing. But it's a little bit of hunger. It's a little bit of. Scouting is a real thing. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Knowing knowing your opponent is a real thing. And that's and clearly Colorado has done a better job of that up to this point.
0: Um, And I think that hunger is there because you look at Kale McCarr. He came off the ice after playing that game last night and they're interviewing him. Yeah, he's a little sweaty he looks like he could have gone and played another 20 minutes. I mean, he legitimately looked like he could have played 20 more minutes after when they interviewed him after the game. Yeah, oh yeah.
1: He he looked pretty fresh actually.
0: Um and that's that's a huge difference. I mean, winning makes everything easier when you're when you're the when you're handily in control, it makes everything easier. Um and the, the,
1: the talent, the 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 talent on both teams is through the roof. You, you, can, you can you can form a full all star team between uh, between both organizations. And okay.
0: absolutely. And um,
1: right now, right now, Colorado is just hungrier. I think part of it is they should have won it last year. They feel like they, they missed an opportunity.
0: And to I, a certain extent, they did.
1: Uh, the 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 level. On the the way they're just opening up Tampa Bay, the breakaways that they've had, the way that the, the the way they're turning everything that comes into their zone, they're turning to offense immediately. They're not playing around with it. They get possession of the puck, it's immediately going up ice. They're they're basically tearing open Tampa's defense. The, I don't know if Vasilevsky's injured, but there's definitely some kind of a book on him. They know because they pointed out both Manson and Makar, same spot on the ice, top of the faceoff dot on the yep. right side, stick side, middle high, just above the pad, goal. And
0: both they were—he was giving up goals there in the last series too.
1: So, is it a possibility that he's hurt? Yeah. The big thing for me was after the third goal, and it was—it was—it was a bad goal for. For, for for Vasilevsky, he's looking at the bench, and Cooper is looking at him, and both of them are like, "What are we gonna do?" I thought at that time he was gonna pull him. Didn't make the decision. That's fine, but neither one of them looked like they knew what they should do. Do the, do they pull him? Do we got to, you know? Do we put in Elliot? It, they just I, it, it's I been, the, been Elliot after the second period. I, I, I think. I think Elliott should have gone in the third.
0: I watched the I watched the intermission show and wish I hadn't because I thought that the position – that taking the position that, oh, we got in his head. We can't pull him even though he's playing poorly and the team is playing poorly in front of him because the other team will think they got in his head and it will give them an advantage. Uh, it, excuse me? Excuse They're me? They're blowing you out of – not to to the game, in the series. They've scored ten goals in two games. They're already in your their head. head their they're, already, they, they're living rent free at the moment. You like, need to make a change. That was <laughs> the dumbest. That was that was both Chelios and Messier I've ever seen. And all three of the announcers ran with it. Both Chelios and Messier. I mean, Steve Levy is
1: just there to be the the Liam McHugh of the of the group,
0: but. Chelios and Messier
1: have played the game. They're both in the Hall of Fame. And to make statements like that, it's like, hello. Colorado's already in his head. You need to make a change. Oh, we can't leave him in there. We're sending a message that we don't. No. Get him out. Get get Elliot in there. Make a change. Do something to spark this team. You've
0: done it. out. Uh, there's going to be a change in uh, leadership for the Nashville Predators. Um, former go- former Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam, mm-hmm. or Haslam, is going to gradually buy uh, the controlling interest in the team. Um, he'll assume a minority ownership position uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, and will eventually become the majority owner. There is apparently a timeline. It hasn't necessarily been discussed. Uh, Fritch, who is the current owner or current majority owner, lead owner, um, will gradually ease out. Um, Haslam is estimated to be worth uh, about 2.3 million, according to Forbes, and the team is valued at 600 million. Uh, over the years, the two of us have talked about how valuable it is to have that arena. Uh, and, and they do operate, the team does operate the Bridgestone Arena uh, and get shares of the revenue from the other events, which is always good. Uh, Bridgestone was the sixth highest grossing arena in the U.S. in 2019. Um, Anybody, yeah, no, that. I would not have guessed that.
1: That um, arena is
0: fabulous. The fan
1: base down there is fabulous. Uh, they Chris? get behind, yeah.
0: Road trip. Nashville
1: this season I, I have no issues with that. I still want to go to
0: T-Mobile arena out in Vegas, but that's a little bit further away. That's a little bit <laughs> further um, but we're gonna make vegas happen we're gonna make Nashville happen. We will be in that building at some point this year. Um,
1: and i'm I'm not surprised that 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 this this move is happening uh, a hometown, uh, you know. You're going to have you're going to have you're going to have a, a hometown guy, former Tennessee governor, buying and buying and buying a hometown team. It's a it's a be, it's a good move. And he's already a co-owner of another sports uh, franchise. So he's not entirely unfamiliar with how things work.
0: Nope. And his brother is an owner of the Cleveland Brown, uh, part owner or the owner of the Cleveland Browns. Um, I think it's well. I think having a nice little family rivalry there—that's
1: uh, what it is. The brother, not not the governor. The brother is the yeah, but he already knows. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And and David Poyle's is going to have a job until he doesn't want a job anymore because he managed to build that franchise. So you got a decent G, G, decent general manager. You got a guy who wants to own the team who's going to take over slowly from an organization that has been successful. I mean,
0: it sounds remember, like- this ownership, the current ownership group stepped in when Nashville was terrible, terrible, yep. terrible and needed an owner or an ownership group that was going to keep it local uh, because there were no other options for keeping them in town. Um, the Predators were going to suddenly become a – Quebec retread or maybe at that time that was before uh, that was before Vegas and before uh, Seattle, they might've ended up, they might've ended up in one of those cities. Um, So kudos to the ownership group. They did not win a cup, but I think they want to, I think they won a they, fan
1: base. They won a huge fan base. They got and kidding. that's, Guys like Pekarene, that's, a, that's a bigger game. reward. That guys like Philip Forsberg. I mean, you look at the the players that they've had in there: you, Roman Yosi, Shea Weber. Start, you know, and then trading him for PK suvan Seth Jones didn't spend a lot of time there, but the fan base that they built with the talent that they had and still have—it's it, yeah. I'm 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 good with this, and mm-hmm. I think it's good for the future of the franchise.
0: Uh, let's see. Interesting poll from Sam Stern. Really super quick. Um, some of his polls are absolutely hilarious. If you're not following him, it's at Sammy Stern. Um, Sam, and that's Sammy with three M's on uh, Twitter. Um, Would you trade Capo Caco to open up cap space for Frank Petrano? <coughs> With a very, very, uh, a very, very nice number of votes. 8.3% of the Rangers fan base proved they were out of their flipping minds. And that's as someone who really likes Frank Petrano um, and voted yes. But the other 91.7% uh, voted no.
1: Would you trade Capo Caco to open up Caps baseball for Frank Petrano? Frank I, Petrano is
0: 28 years old. Yeah. Capo Caco is not quite 24.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I will throw one last name into the Boston Bruins head coaching um, arena or uh, into the ring before we close. Yeah. Never been a head coach, but I think it's someone who could be really, really useful for the franchise. Doug Huda.
1: Well, we've loved Doug Huda for a long time here on the show. <laughs>
0: About almost a decade here in Boston and has been out in Detroit for the last six or seven years. Um, 56 years old. Uh, just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Doug.
1: Um, Happy birthday, Doug. And by the way, yes, I trade Capo Capo for Frank Petrano. <laughs> Somebody's got to get the excitement going here. Capo Capo was a second round with a second overall pick. And. Uh, when you're number two pick overall, you are expected to produce Frank Petrano. Considering where he was drafted, has produced. I'm not saying that you should give Frank Vitrano $9 million a year, but uh, Capocacco just to me hasn't met up with the expectations, and I think you could get more for him than you could for Frank Vitrano. So, yeah, if you can't re-sign Capocacco, absolutely.
0: That's a fabulously interesting position that I'm not going to address for multiple reasons. <laughs> Because
1: you um, mostly because you need time to digest it and try and figure out a way out of it. I know.
0: Uh, <laughs> not gonna touch it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we'll we'll be back here next week. Hit us up on Twitter with your questions, uh, both for this, the the uh, Stanley Cup Finals, uh, for the off season, for the league as a whole, Boston Bruins, um, and if there's any movies that we should be seeing, because I need to get out of the house again.